Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hi, I'm Bobby, and I'm your friend who knows just a little bit too much about pop culture. Welcome to your weekly meeting of Pop Culture Fanatics Anonymous. I hope you're hungry because in this week's meeting, we are taking a look into the harmonious pair that is food and film. And TV, too. In the height of the pandemic, many were looking for a way to comfort themselves. For some, it was trying out a new hobby. For others, it was meditation and trying to seek nirvana. However, I spent that time on a far more noble cause. Sitting on my ass, eating my body weight and snacks, crying that I graduated from college in my parents' house, and finally working through my I'll totally watch that binge list. Now, did I actually do that? No, but for the sake of this episode, I absolutely did. Anyways, on my way down my list, I revisited a show that I loved in middle school, HBO's True Blood. Now, if you've seen the show, you may be wondering why an impressionable middle schooler was watching Sexy Vampires. The answer to that is that we're not talking about it right now. However, there was one scene that really got me thinking. In episode 6 of season 1, titled Cold Ground, after a divisive potluck scene where members of the church are interrogating a vampire, two characters, Tara and Lafayette, are left discussing the altercation and the food left on the table. They also ask, what is it with white people in jello, and so... Really, they're asking all the real questions here. Lafayette explains that the food on the table should be tossed because it was cooked with fear and hate in mind. For some context, the scene was between a new vampire in town, Bill, and the conservative church who are vetting him. Lafayette says, When you put some love in your food, people can taste it. And for whatever reason, this got me thinking about the role that food plays in media, specifically film and TV, and what it tells us about our relationship to it. overlap with food and film and television than we may think. Food is not so simply an incidental part of a TV show or movie to make the world feel more real, but instead it's a very meticulous choice that's being made. 
A good film and a good meal both require the perfect combination of ingredients that work together to convey the perfect taste. More specifically, both engage more than just the senses. So taste with food and vision and sound with film and television. They can also engage the heartstrings. Whether it's seeing the stoic critic Anton Ego melt at the taste of ratatouille in Pixar's Ratatouille, or preparing your favorite meal, both force you to feel a certain way. Because of this, food functions on a different plane than costuming or makeup to tell us about the story that we are going to see. In almost every situation in a TV show or film, food could tell you anything you want to know about a character without explicitly stating it. Whether it's how the food is prepared or what is being eaten, food provides necessary cues as to who that character is. It functions as a visual shorthand and even something as unassuming as a meal can be used as a key plot device within a film. For example, let's take the 80s classic, The Breakfast Club. Each member of the plucky group of detentioners eats a meal that closely aligns with their character. For the uber cool and posh Claire, played by Molly Ringwald, she eats sushi served on a wooden block with matching chopsticks. For the not so cool nerd, played by Anthony Michael Hall, he eats a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, crust cut off and sliced, of course. She commits to the bit, what can I say? And lastly, the loner, Judd Nelson, eats nothing. If you remove the characters, the audience could still match each meal to its respective character. And that's the power that food has. Food can also relay narrative information. Sometimes that serves the purpose to fill the gap that dialogue may leave. Like the tables of lush castles and royalty are dressed with an array of meats and breads and desserts to relay opulence, or... The tables of a farm family might be dressed with homely produce and grain from the land to express comfort and humility. Without these small but key details, you would still be able to tell a pretty good story, but there would definitely be a void in your storytelling. One specific way that we can get those extra key beats is through how a meal is consumed on camera. Think about it. Are there moments within a TV show or movie that have stuck with you simply with how a character has eaten a meal? One of the most prominent in my mind is Allison Williams' character Rose in Jordan Peele's Get Out. It's in the scene where she is researching top NCAA recruits after her boyfriend is taken to what I like to call the mysterious racism layer. She's dressed in all white pajamas, sitting perfectly centered in a very symmetrical room, and she's eating cereal. Now, this is unsettling as is, but the truly disturbing part and where how the food is consumed fills in the narrative gaps is that she's eating her cereal and milk separately. Yes, there is much contention about whether milk should come first or the cereal should come first, but I think we can all agree that they should be eaten in the same bowl. Rose has a bowl of cereal without milk and a glass of milk. She eats a piece of cereal and then takes a swig of milk. You know, like a crazy person would. This is a minute but powerful detail that greatly enhances what we just learned about her, and she didn't even need to utter a word. We've got a few episodes under our belt here at the Hi, I'm Bobby podcast. And I, guys, I got to tell you that it wasn't simpler to start a podcast than with Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. It's free. 
There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone or your computer. Anchor will literally distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. If this sounds amazing to you, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm so excited and I hope you guys will make a podcast today. I don't think I can talk about food and film without mentioning one of the most artful representations of it, and that's within animation. Food and live action film and TV can almost pseudo engage our tastes and smells since those meals tend to exist in our world. There is a precedent that's been set. Animated food is either a hyper stylized version of food or is something that doesn't exist. So there has to be a pivot in senses, going from the pseudo engagement of smell and taste to sight and sound. Additionally, in animation, detail is everything, and everything that appears on screen is by design. Animation is able to take all the best qualities these foods have and exaggerate them, like the way that light hits the elaborate meals in Studio Ghibli films, or how the colors of meals from The Simpsons make our mouth water. And I think we need to take a quick dive into foods from anime, because they almost exist on a plane all their own. When you see food in an anime, you tend to see it presented as if it descended from the heavens, is usually bathed in light, has a sheen on top of it, and is piping hot. Because of the intense detail of which it's drawn, it almost tricks our brains into thinking that it's real and enticing us to want to eat it. Similar to why food commercials entice our minds and stomachs to want to eat because it's food shown in its most ideal way. Also, in anime, we usually see the food being prepared, and this also makes us want to eat it more. The preparation of food is usually a very comforting process, and because our brains are partially dedicated to vision, we immediately feel that comfort when we see the food being prepared. While animated food is not always as important as food in live-action media is, it still serves a great purpose. a meal or how it's being prepared or how it's consumed food is one of the most important narrative markers in film and television simply by being present it communicates so much information to us beyond storytelling purposes food is incredibly popular on television channels too like the food network or the cooking channel the shows on these networks are a way for the masses to break bread and learn new ways of cooking together it's comforting to have someone teach you how to make something, and once it's done, you can both enjoy the meal even though you are apart. And sometimes you have no intention of cooking and you just want to watch Barefoot Contessa because it's a show that's literally coated in serotonin. Both are valid. My case in point is that food and media truly are a harmonious pair. Thank you so much for taking this quick deep dive into food and media with me. If you want to know where else to find me on the internet, you can find me at The Afternoon Special on TikTok or Instagram or over on Twitter at Hi, I'm Bobby. At the end of each week's episode, I would love to hear from you. In a description of each week's episode, you will find the option to send me a one minute audio message. It could be a hot take. It could be a response to something that I said. It could be a question. It's really up to you. My one ask, of course, is to just keep it respectful. And who knows, 
your audio message might make it into next week's episode. I hope you enjoyed this deep dive and that you'll join me here again next week for a brand new episode. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're in a relationship, single, or recently heartbroken, you could be navigating some tough stuff. And it really can be challenging to do this on your own. We all need help when it comes to our relationships, very specifically, our love lives. I'm Jillian, and each week on my podcast, Jillian on Love, I share skills on how to strengthen our relationships, how to build a stronger sense of self, and how to heal heartbreak and choose better partners. Learn how to start making change today and search for Jillian on Love wherever you're listening now.